Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. So Caroline, I would like you to imagine a commercial for birth control. It's probably, you know, a a liberated, empowering scene, perhaps happening in a meadow or maybe at a bar (laughs) as as some birth control commercials have been set in. Indeed. But now think about what it would look like if it were a birth control for a guy. Hmm. Because I'm all of a sudden thinking of Axe body spray commercials. Uh, (laughs) Real men take birth control. (laughs) Take your birth control, dudes. Yeah, and some it would feature a football and some pizza. Yeah, maybe they yeah. throw in the ball back and forth, and like, they maybe they start talking about it while throwing the football. Like, yeah, bro. I mean, like it's just great because because uh, my little guys don't work anymore, but I'm still able to get it on and have a fulfilling relationship. Yeah, and man. then they punch each other. Yeah, <laughs> punch each other, <laughs> and then go run into the meadow with the, the other women. Yeah. <laughs> so, as you might be able to tell from this, we just wanted to set a, a scene for everyone. Because we're going to talk about male birth control today. And we've talked about male birth control way back when on stuff mom never told you. I think the episode probably came out a couple years ago now. And it's actually come a long way in a couple years. It's still not on the market, but researchers are still trying to figure out what's going on. So in our last conversation about male birth control, the big question was whether or not uh, doctors should look at hormonal options for male birth control versus non-hormonal options. They're ta- talking about having these rods of progesterone hormone implanted into men's arms, and then they would get regular shots of testosterone to balance out all of these side effects that would happen. That's a lot of needles. Yeah, it's a lot of needles, and then yeah, and like hormones, and they're just and angry. rods. God. And then there is uh, the idea that you could have a radio-controlled implant where you could literally zap sperm. Well, with what if it interfered control? with like? your garage door remote yeah. control or the what security happened? alarm on your car, like keyless entry on your car. Or if you're a dad and you're around kids who have remote control cars, oh, and boats, I mean, <laughs> sorry, little Johnny, I didn't mean, <laughs> didn't mean to kill your, all of your potential siblings. Uh, so, so that's hmm. where we were. And basically the, it seems like the net net in two years is that hormonal is not the way to go because Hormonal options for women, far easier than hormonal, hormonal options for men. Yeah, although we don't exactly, you know, have it that easy either with our hormonal options. Well, sure. Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm glad that researchers are really trying to work out a non-hormonal option for, for guys that doesn't affect their libido. Right. But, uh, you know, we haven't exactly gotten that consideration. Yeah, despite the host of side effects that come with specifically oral contraceptives uh, for women, there's been a lot more attention to the side effects that could uh, affect men if they were to take birth control. Because if the side effects are bad enough, would they take it? Exactly. And researchers think no. And then pharmaceutical companies would not make the investment in it. So it would never come to the market because right. guys would never buy it. And then we're back to the drawing board. Exactly. So one of the main reasons why uh, figuring out a birth control option for men has been a little tricky is because with women, you got one time of the month you got to work with. You just have to figure out how to stop that egg from dropping down so that it could get fertilized. With guys, you got to kill... <laughs> 
like a jillion sperm. Yeah, so many twinkles. In your eye <laughs> yeah. that you have to kill. <laughs> um, so that's been kind of a tricky thing. But researchers at Columbia University think they might have an answer. Yeah. Uh, according to an article in Time magazine, um, a medicine that was used originally or it was developed originally to treat skin diseases mm-hmm. was found to be a testicular toxin. Ooh. I know. It sounds delicious. <laughs> um, yeah, no, in June, a, a study came out of Columbia showing that um, this this compound mm-hmm. could be used to prevent pregnancy. Uh, scientists discovered that mice in the lab lost their fertility when they took the medicine. Um, because it abs- uh, interfered with the absorption of vitamin A. Right. So they're thinking, oh, okay, here we go. The vitamin A, that's the key. Doesn't it sound kind of like a healthy male birth control? Oh, wait, it's the deficiency of right. vitamin A. Yeah, you've got it. Your mom was not just making up the thing about carrots. I mean, she probably was to get you to eat your carrots. I never ate my carrots. But I never did either. Cook carrots? Are you kidding? Gross. Gross. They're so mushy. Now I eat them, though. Yeah, no. <sighs> Only in raw form. But anyway, anyway, yes. anyway. Back, back to male birth control. Right. Um. So it turns out that if you have a lack of vitamin A in your system, um, you're not going to be able to keep your eyeballs very moist. Mm-mm. Yeah, vitamin A uh, keeps your retinas healthy, keeps your eyes moist, mm-hmm. you know, with all the blinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also contributes to a healthy immune system and tissue development. So if you don't have that stuff going on, I mean, you could get sick. So what they're trying to do is basically figure out part of the vitamin that they can kind of prevent from. Right. Yeah. If there's like a part of that vitamin that could have the uh, that negative effect on sperm development. Right. Because got adult males need around 900 micrograms of vitamin A per day. And I thought this was a great quote. The study author from Columbia said that testes are exquisitely sensitive. Exquisitely. <laughs> exquisitely. <Just> exquisite. <laughs> <laughs> They're exquisitely sensitive to the disruption of retinoid signaling. So basically, if they have a vitamin A deficiency, they will be infertile, yes, but also not in too good a shape. Right. Yeah. There. So, yeah, they could be tired and cranky. I mean, the mice haven't said anything mm-hmm. about whether they're tired or cranky, but if mice are talking to you, you have bigger problems. <laughs> yeah. So there's that going on. And then there is something, something afoot. In Indonesia. Yeah, there's a plant called the Gandarusa plant uh, that's been used by locals for centuries, actually, um, to combat stress. They Mm -hmm. put it in their tea. But they've also had this anecdotal evidence floating around from the locals that it actually lowers fertility, too. Um, So according to uh, a PBS NewsHour report, Erlanga University, Mm -hmm. maybe maybe I'm right pronouncing this, Erlanga University, um, has been studying the plant's effect on mice for about 25 years, and now they're testing it on actual people. Yeah, and so far, it, they have a 100% success rate. And just like the vitamin A research going on at Columbia, uh, there's a lot of buzz about this because these are both non-hormonal options, and they'd be both would be reversible. You stop taking the supplement, and you get your groove back. Right, if you decide you want all sorts of little bundles of responsibility running around <laughs> Millions. For, for 18 years, if you want to take that on, you can. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the um, the chemical in this plant doesn't actually affect a guy's hormones. It just changes the sperm's chemistry so that they're uh, unable to pierce the egg's outer wall. But the third option that we're about to talk about, this is the one that's really making headlines. There was a huge article in it in Wired Magazine 
couple months ago, uh, there has been some development going on actually stateside now. And again, it's another non-hormonal option with kind of a silly name. Yeah, it's got, it's RISUG, right? RISUG. What does it stand for? It stands for reversible inhibition of sperm under guidance. That sounds comforting. Guidance. Yeah. Aw. Just wooing the sperm out. It's yeah, right. but, but it's a bait and switch. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. a trap. <laughs> well, guys, it's a trap. Turn back. <laughs> yeah, so this Rysug chemical uh, was developed by this genius scientist guy in India who was actually working on finding a way to purify water as it came out of the pipe so that people wouldn't get sick. Um, but he took the idea and applied it to sperm. So actually... This whole water pipe thing is its not a bad analogy if you don't mind comparing pregnancy with waterborne illnesses. <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, basically what happens, uh, and the researcher's name is Sujay Guha, and he figured out that you could basically inject a polymer, the special polymer that he developed, into the vase deferens, which is the little slide that goes, takes the sperm out of the penis. From the <laughs> out of the penis. They made that sound. Sounds like wee. <laughs> uh, thereby blocking their, their exit so they can't get to the egg. Right. Yeah. So they inject this gel into the vas deferens instead of doing the snip snip of a vasectomy. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they just inject the gel and it forms a barrier so that fewer sperm come out and the ones that do are disabled. And when you decide you want to be a dad, you and your partner want to be parents, um, you just go in for a second injection and it dissolves the gel. Exactly. And this can last for 10 to 15 years. So yeah, it's, it's been this really promising male birth control option, but it unfortunately got kind of shut down. Some funding got pulled. The World Health Organization went over to India to check out Guha's, um, research going on and they didn't really like how it was set up. They didn't really think that it was necessarily up to snuff, even though all the tests so far have worked 100% of the time. Um, and as a result of losing funding, Elaine Listener, who is director of the Male Contraception Information Project in San Francisco, has actually bought the rights to Guha's technique to Rizog. Um, and she's hoping to bring it to the U.S. Yeah, unfortunately, though, and I mean, okay, this makes sense, but she has to go through all of the testing that he's already done, basically, all over again. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's great, and we can test it and make sure it works. Who knows when we're actually going to see that on the market? Well, and here's the thing, though. I mean, we're talking a lot about, you know, when can it come get through FDA approval to get on the market in the U.S., but one of the main reasons why a lot of this research is being spearheaded in places like India and Indonesia is because both of those countries are having, especially Indonesia, are having issues with overpopulation. And even in the United States right now, with birth control options for women, over around half of pregnancies are still unintended. So obviously we need to close the gap somewhere. And if we're going over to um, overpopulated areas, a male birth control option like Rizog that could possibly work 100% of the time for 10 to 15 years could be a huge improvement. Right. It could take some of the responsibility off women. Mm -hmm. But I mean, how great would it be if both partners in a relationship could be on birth control? Yeah. And also how much more affordable um, if you have an option, you know, a long-term option like Rizo, just something rather than a supplement that you might have to take every right. single day. There is something that kind of worries me about this idea, though, which okay. I mean, and I love it. I love the idea. 
of male birth control. Of male birth control. Yeah. I think we share the, need it. Share the responsibility, guys. But something that worries me is, you know, guy meets a girl in a bar, they go home together, and he promises that things are a certain way. And then they're not. Like, what happens if all of a sudden, like, STDs and pregnancies just get out of control? I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think that's definitely a point. Um, and you are certainly not alone in, in your skepticism, Miss <laughs> Caroline. Uh, there was actually a recent survey in the UK, which found similar things. Like, guys, both men and women surveyed on their thoughts of male birth control said, yes, that'd be a great option. But funnily enough, it was the women who said, no, no, no. <laughs> My bloke's not going to take that. That was the worst accent I've ever done. Um, well, that was all right. <laughs> I've done better. <laughs> um, yeah, they were saying, you know, that, that they would not trust a guy to take something every day. They, they just think the guys would forget. It. Yeah. But if you have an injection option like Rizug, I'm really selling this Rizug. I know. Can we be on the commercial? <laughs> I hope so. In a meadow? Yes. Hello, men. So if you, they had sort of that one-time shot that they had to get, much easier Yeah. to deal with. But one a- another point, Caroline, to your skepticism, even though male birth control in the sense of like the pill that we have, that we ladies can take, guys aren't completely without birth control options. Oh, tell me about them. Well, from Planned Parenthood, we know that men currently have five birth control options. Five? Five, guys. Count them. Get ready to be really let down. Because number one is abstinence. I mean, that's really the only 100% form of birth control. Let's be honest. Abstinence. Then you got condoms. Let's not forget about condoms. That's not. You should use them. Yeah. Bag it up. Mm-hmm. And then there is always outer course, vasectomy, and withdrawal. So it's kind of a lackluster list, you know, especially right. because vasectomy, uh, there are questions about whether or not it's reversible, and it involves <laughs> cauterizing you. the vas Yeah, and some people, like my brother, sorry to, sorry to bring this up, but some no. people don't always have a good vasectomy experience, yeah, and it ends true. up being really painful for some people. So if there could be a pain-free, hormonal-free option. Yeah, that would be great. But I thought it would be interesting too to compare the numbers of the women um, who are taking oral contraceptives versus the men who have gotten vasectomies in the United States. And I know that that is a bit of an apples and oranges comparison, uh, but just to maybe gauge a little bit men's willingness to um, remove their their chances at reproducing. So right now we got around... mm, 10 million women on the pill. That's a lot. That's a lot of women. A lot of women of reproductive age mm-hmm. hop on birth control. Vasectomy in the U.S., this is according to the CDC, in 2002, that was the most recent stat I could find, 526,000. Hmm. 10 million versus half a million. But again, I mean, who wants to get something cauterized down there? And Yeah, tied up and yeah, shut off. <laughs> At least we can just stop taking the pill and be ready to go and have babies and stuff. Yeah, and and next and, week. And <laughs> next week. Today. Not me personally. After the podcast. <laughs> but again, even though it's been two years since this last episode on male birth control, basically the the line that you will constantly hear from pharmaceutical companies and researchers is we're just about five years away 
about five years away. And I thought that a, a nice closer quote <laughs> for this episode, which is entitled male birth control, so close yet so far, because it seems like the research is there. Yeah. Researchers are figuring out how to do this non-hormonally with reversible options and limited side effects for guys. Um, and Tracy Clark Flory from Salon actually uh, uh, wrote a column on how male birth control might affect have a societal impact, kind of like that when the pill hit the market in the 60s, although it was not permitted for unmarried women until 1972. Fun fact. Hmm. Uh, the One of the main chemists who developed the first oral contraceptive told her, I don't see the faintest chance of male birth control being approved in the next couple of decades. Oof. Well, let's prove that guy wrong, <laughs> scientists. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, guys. What do you think? Would you take male birth control? Would you like for male birth control to be available, aside, of course, from the five options that I listed from Planned Parenthood? Yeah. And would single guys take it versus guys in relationships? Are guys in committed relationships more likely to get on birth control to make sure their partner doesn't get pregnant? Exactly. Many questions out here. And a few surveys, surprisingly few surveys that have been done. So give us a shout. Head over to Facebook and leave us a comment there if you'd like to. Or you can always email us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And we will read you a couple of listener emails now. Okay, Kristen, we have another Kristen who wrote in. This one is in response to the podcast about whether men and women can just be in platonic friendships. Mm -hmm. She said, I have had both experiences throughout my life. I run a business that I founded with my four amazing male friends. We have now been working together for six years and I've had a sexual relationship with one of them and we maintained a great emotional relationship on top of this other relationship that was happening. We are now both seeing other people and have maintained a great friendship, even if it had some ups and downs when working out the logistics of it. That being said, there are three other men in my company who I have not had this kind of relationship with. I get some of the best emotional support from these men and tend not to have this kind of closeness with many of my girlfriends. Go, Kristen. Way to have good platonic relationships. I myself am also friends with, with many dudes. Yes. Many wonderful dudes. As am I. So I think from our both of our experiences, we will say it is possible. It is possible. So I've got one here from Stacy, and this is on our episode on women and motorcycles, which is a little bit old, but I really liked her story. Uh, she said, it's very interesting to be a woman riding her own bike. I always have people making comments or complimenting me on it, or men asking if they can ride on the back. Oh, in a word. <laughs> yes. In a lame attempt of trying to hit on me. My favorite was when I was at a bar, not drinking because that's stupid to drink and ride, with my husband and our friends. I was giving my husband a hard time about something, and a male patron of the bar told me that I'd better be careful, otherwise he'll leave me behind, which one of my male friends quickly informed him that I had my own bike. And he got pretty embarrassed. She says, I've recently acquired a one liter Triumph Speed Triple, which is apparently a huge bike (laughs) in bike speed. Um, When I purchased my new bike, my husband told a guy that I was getting it and he said, you put your wife on a one liter? Like it was his choice. It's been very interesting to see how the size of the engine will also make men feel inadequate. And yes, that's open for Freudian interpretation. Mm. So, women on motorcycles, men on birth control. What a topsy-turvy world we live in. So send us, 
Send us an email, momstuff at howstuffworks.com. Come on over to Facebook and say hello. Leave a comment. Like us if you wouldn't mind. And you can also follow us on Twitter. It's at momstuffpodcast. And finally, you can read our blog during the week as well. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?